today on Ag News Daily. So the concept of Ag Help came from really our life experience. The founding team, which is myself, my brothers, Feliciano and Ivan, uh, we grew up as migrant farm workers. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. My name is Delaney Howell, joined by my co-host, Mike Pearson. Good afternoon, Delaney Howell. It's another gray day here across the state of Iowa, I think across multiple Midwestern states. But it's cool. It's hard to believe it almost feels like fall. It feels like football season. No, I'm not ready for it. I'm not quite ready for it. I need to, like... One or two more warm weeks before we hit fall season. I'm with you. I'm with you. I could I could make do with about 52 warm weeks a year. <laughs> I'd be okay. Mike, you live in the wrong place if that's the case. I know. Oh, well. It is what it is, Delaney Howell. We are going to have a conversation today for our Hashtag Tech Tuesday episode about finding help on the farm and ways we can do it better with the help of Ag Help. So we'll get to that. But before we do, Delaney, what's going on in the news? Awesome. That sounds like a great interview coming up, Mike. But going on in the news today, I first want to start out talking about the $12 billion tariff package program bailout or bailout program as it's been referred to before, because it could be released as early as this coming Friday. So Pro Farmers Washington policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer Uh, released an article with some of the details he thinks are going to be pertinent for producers to know about this new bailout program. And so I want to read through a couple of the points that he made in his article today. So first of all, um, the USDA has given total control, has been given total control of the package, and that's currently being reviewed in the Office of Management and Budget for a final, I guess, checks and balances and whatnot, and again, could be released as early as this coming Friday. Hmm. Um, so overall, like some of the final or finer details in the package are, could still change, but the big ones to remember here are the payment rates are going to be for those who are eligible and payment limits and other details are expected to be revealed in the federal register filing sign up for the assistance is slated to begin September 4th. So that's really just three weeks away here. Farmers will have to file 2018 crop production data with the USDA. And so with that, that means that we producers are actually going to be eligible for payments first after revealing production levels because of, of course, their production is going to be finished sooner than crop it, or uh, sooner than corn and soybean production. And then payments will be based on the actual 2018 production and not on average yields over the last few years. The plan is going to be limited to just 2018 production and not 2017 crops that still have to be marketed. So if you have anything sitting in the bins, it sounds like that's not going to be eligible. Um, and then the USDA will not ask for hedge accounts of farmers who have may, who may have marketed crops previously in the past. And then this one hasn't been finalized yet, but it looks like there is going to be a separate payment limit for payouts under the program, including an adjusted gross income of $900,000. So no exemptions to pay caps is likely to happen at this time. Okay. Do we know what the price is going to be that they're going to pay us on for corn, soybeans, and wheat? I don't think so. I think that's (sighs) still one of the questions. Yeah, I know. That's kind of an important one. 
Well, and I, I think it's confusing or I question why they aren't going to look at if farmers have hedge accounts or have marketed crops in the past, you know? Uh, no, what do you mean? Well, it's like if you have marketed crops in the past, but you didn't this year because you dropped the ball or whatever, why should the USDA have to pay, do a payout for that person, you know? Because the federal government caused this $2 drop in well, soybeans by putting the tariff in place. I think that's the rationale. I know, but I've always been, and I think a lot of farmers are there too, where it's they'd rather have trade agreements, right? But I look at it from a perspective of, I don't think the government should intervene on many, in on many um, things. I'm kind of a libertarian yeah. standpoint, so I think government should take very limited roles in pretty much everything. This thing. So, are you opposed to crop insurance premium subsidies, Delaney? Um, I don't know. See, that's one of the questions I have. Like, I understand why they do it, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, Uncle Sam's picking up a little more than 60% of everybody's crop insurance bill. That's true. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they're already doing that, what's another $12 billion? Uh, yeah, Cut the check. Whatever. Let's put it in our pockets, agriculture. Of course, of that $4 billion, of that $12 billion, only 4 is going to be in kind of the direct payment. There's 4 going to be buying uh, commodities, USDA doing that mm-hmm. and so forth. And then another right. 4 and this is the part that cracks me up, of this $12 billion package. They're going to spend $4 billion to identify new markets. Oh. Yeah. Guys, we got the markets. We just need to get higher-priced beans into those markets. Yeah, that seems like a waste of $4 billion, especially because commodity groups focus on market expansion already. Yeah. Well, so that's that's the news there. But we do have good news from another market, Delaney. Have you been Mm. following the incredible stock market rally here over the past almost 10 years? No, I haven't. Well... We've had an incredible stock market rally (laughs) over about the past 10 years. And today, the S&P 500 touched a record high. On Wednesday, if it continues to climb, it doesn't have a, you know, total collapse tomorrow. The bull market will have run 3,452 days. And today we touched with the S&P 2,873, which beat the old record high from January by well, let's see, point, point five. Wait, point. say that again. Two thousand what days that it was a bull market? Yep, we've had a bull market for three thousand four hundred fifty-two days. So it's never gotten any lower. It's it, it's closed higher for that many days. Um, it has no, not not every day is higher. Okay, so yeah, so generally, a uh, bull market is when the in this case, the stock market, stock prices climb by 20%. And mm-hmm. so that's what we're in here. Over the past 3,456 days, we've seen, you know, a more than 20% climb in the stock market. Hmm. Wow. Which is good news, Delaney. Do you know why? Well, because some of that money will trickle into commodities, hopefully, theoretically, right? Well, no. I mean, that's probably bad because as the stock market climbs, these folks are pulling money out of commodities and mm-hmm. buying stocks. But... The climbing stock market does mean that the average Joe and Jane consumer in Chicago and Miami and New York City feel a little bit richer. And when people feel richer, they go out to eat more, which is something we saw in that uh, restaurant data released last week, where the second quarter of 2018 saw an incredible jump, a record jump 
in the amount of dollars spent dining out. So that's good news oh. for our protein markets. Mike, you should uh, send me that. That sounds like an interesting, I haven't seen that, the restaurant survey. It is on my Twitter. Okay, I'll have to look at that. You betcha. Well, so what else is jumping out at you, Yeah, Lenny? Speaking of eating out and uh, retailing, Tyson Foods has made a big purchase or has announced a new acquisition. They're going to acquire Keystone Foods for $2.16 billion. And Keystone is currently a top meat supplier to McDonald's and other fast food chains. And so that was part of the reason Tyson said on Monday that they were going to go ahead and expand into uh, this new area. And they've really been trying, I guess, to compete with, you know, people like Pilgrim's Pride and Sanderson Farms and trying to find some of those higher quality, um, I guess, meat expansions. Meat expansions? Yeah. What does that mean? So they're, they're, they've been trying to focus on some of those higher quality meats um, as opposed to what they call in this article commodity meats. So some like hot dogs or whatever, they're trying to find a way to increase profits through, I guess, value added products like chicken nuggets or fish fillets or hamburgers. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they're value added, building a premium right. product. And that's how, that's what they see Keystone being able to add for them yep. because they're selling, I suppose, the patties and the nuggets. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly huh. right. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, just kind of neat, so, I thought. So, folks, pay attention. If you go to Mickey D's and see if, uh, you know, flavors change at all, I wonder if uh, Tyson's going to muck up any recipes. I don't know how that works, but, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I can't imagine they would. I mean, everybody loves their nugs. Do you love their nugs, Mike? Uh, you know, honestly, I haven't had McDonald's chicken nuggets in probably 15 years. That's good. You should probably keep it that way. I just get burgers, you know, Ugh. and McFlurries. <laughs> the so essentials. kind of good, actually. Yeah, absolutely. It's delicious. Mm -hmm. And I've got news, trade news of a sort, coming out of South Africa. So the South African government... Um, is looking to change their import policies for American poultry. Basically, uh, in the past, there was some disagreements about America dumping uh, bone-in chicken meat into the South African uh, economy, and it was it was you know driving chicken prices down. Well, South Africa was one of those countries that got hit with the steel and aluminum tariffs, mm. and uh, so what they're saying is that in response to the steel and aluminum tariffs, the country of South Africa is now going to put tariffs on all chicken going into South Africa from the U.S., including 65,000 tons that were exempt every year from the tariff. So everything is going to have uh, tariffs on it, which probably would slow down sales in South Africa, but it's not a huge amount. It's just one more piece of you know, other countries picking on agriculture because they can. Hmm. Interesting. In South Africa, you said? South Africa. All right. Wouldn't have expected that to be a huge market for U.S. poultry, but... No, I don't think it is. It's, not, I mean, 65,000 tons. That's right. a fair amount of, uh, of chicken. Some nugs going over there <laughs> to uh, South Africa. But it's not going to, I think, you know, crash the, the cash price for yeah, poultry or anything. Probably not. Well, speaking of expanding markets, Mike, we have a new market expansion here for rice producers. 
a new deal between the U.S. and Iraq will boost rice production and rice expansion for Louisiana, Alabama, and Californian farmers, who are some of the top rice producers in the U.S. This was kind of led by 5th District Congressman Ralph Abraham, and they have announced that Iraq has agreed to buy 15,000 metric tons of American rice in the next round of contracts with America. So not a huge market expansion there, but... Always uh, something to, you know, see further expansion into new markets. Yeah, it's positive news, which is always uh, right. appreciated by American producers. Rice is, in a, is rice a futures traded market? Yeah, it certainly is. It's one of okay. the softs. Oh, okay. I don't pay a lot of attention to rice futures, i got to be honest with you. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't, you know, obviously we don't see it up here right. at all. But um, interesting. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Delaney, do you have any other news for us, or should we jump in the markets before we talk to Sadok Paredes from AgHelp? I do have one other quick piece of news here, Mike. I thought this was interesting as we're looking at and continuing to watch farm bill negotiations. A group of farm groups have uh, written a letter to House and Senate Agriculture Committees asking them to include a provision in the Senate bill that would basically enforce the buy American requirements within the federal nutrition programs. So currently there is already a measure in place that requires folks to buy American or buy U.S. products if they are on food nutrition programs, but they that apparently has not been enforced. Um, and so in the letter, the group wrote that, quote, Section 1262-2 of the Senate bill passed requires that the Secretary of Agriculture fully enforce the existing Buy American requirements applicable to domestic food service programs administered by the Food Nutrition Program, and that would require the Secretary to report to Congress within 180 days to basically tell Congress what the Department is going to do to meet those existing requirements. So I thought that was kind of interesting that this group has come together. These It doesn't say what farm groups were part of this letter, um, but... I have a few guesses. Yeah, and so this is the government has to buy American right. food to fulfill their food programs. It's not yep. people on food st- or right. SNAP, I right? I believe so, yeah. So it would be like okay. schools that would... Colleges, that you, yeah. all that sort of thing. Right. All right. Well, we'll see if that does anything, you know, particularly on the dairy side. Those folks yeah. can use uh, all the help they can get. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Apparently, over 80% of apple juice purchased by schools is from China, 60 to 70% of fish sticks served in schools are um, made from fish caught in Russia. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Who would have guessed there was a Russian connection under all of our noses in the schoolhouse? Who would have thought? Yeah. I wonder if they're going to uh, you know, have uh, Robert Mueller look into it. I don't know. That's nice. Well, Delaney, what do you say? Should we jump into the market, see what happened today in the trade? Well, let's do it, Mike. All right, folks, and remember, our markets are brought to us by our good friends at the Zaner Group. Ted Seifert is still out on the crop tour getting up-to-date knowledge of yields this year. So if you want that kind of expertise to work for you, give the Zaner Group a call at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at zaner.com. We had weakness pretty well across the board in the grains today, starting with the corn market. September contract down two and a quarter at 359 and three quarters. The December also down two and a quarter to close at 
374 and a quarter. Soybeans off as well. The September contract down seven and a quarter at 874 and a half. November down seven and a quarter. Close the day at 886 even. In the wheat pit, wow, a lot of weakness again today. The September contract down 15 cents, finished at 527 and a quarter. The December down 14 and three quarters to finish the day at 547 and three quarters. Looking over on the livestock side, we've got somewhat, uh, I guess I should say slight strength in the live cattle complex. The August contract was up 20 cents at 109.2750. The October up two and a half cents to close at 110. 47 and a half. That did not carry forward into feeder cattle with the August contract down 45 cents at 149.1750 and September down 10 cents to close at 151 even. In lean hogs, October down 25 cents at 56.22 and a half. The December down 32.50 closed the day at 53.90. And we had mixed trade today in the dairy markets in class three milk. The August contract was off a penny at 1501 while September was up a penny to close at 1570. Before we jump into our conversation with Ag Help, let's get a word from our friends at Latham High Tech Seeds. I've got Phil Long, agronomy specialist for Latham High Tech Seeds, on the line with me today. And Phil, it sounds like a lot of folks have been seeing or possibly seeing some sudden death syndrome. How should they go about identifying if that's in their fields or not? Yeah, sure. There, there's a, this is the perfect time to be seeing it out there, you know, around that R5, R6 time period is when it really starts to show up. And, you know, it's got that intervenal chlorosis that comes out and turns into necrosis. Typically, the leaves will start to fall off, too. Um, but really, the key diagnoser for it is, is, is pulling a plant and splitting the stem at the lower part of the, the stem. That's really when you can tell the difference if you split it apart and you see discoloration in the outside cortex tissue. That's where you'll be able to tell versus a brown stem rot, which the very center of the pith is going to actually be a brown and skeletalized. So those are the kind of the two key diagnostics between the two and, and not confusing one versus the other. Phil, if, if folks do find those in their fields, is there anything they can do once they find it or is it crops over from there? Yep, a lot of times they'll finish filling out uh, the best they can until the, the crop actually stops growing completely. It is a vascular, they're both vascular diseases, fungal diseases, so it'll eventually kill the plant. Um, there's nothing you can do other than and plan ahead, you know, for next year and something, plant, something like our, our ironclad soybean lines that have tolerances to those particular, uh, especially sudden death syndrome, those diseases, your best method going forward. All right, Phil, thanks again. And folks, if you have any questions about sudden death syndrome or other agronomic questions, you can head to LathamSeeds.com or call 877-GO-LATHAM. Folks, it is Hashtag Tech Tuesday once again, and joining me now is Sadok Paredes. And Sadok is one of the guys, one of the entrepreneurs behind the company Ag Help. Sadok, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. So first of all, give us the, the bare bones story. What is Ag Help? What are you guys trying to do? So Ag Help is, what we're trying to do is really resolve the ag labor shortage. So that includes anything from migrant seasonal work all the way up to middle skill type of work. And basically the way we, the approach we're taking is a holistic one. So we're not only providing uh, a platform for workers to find jobs, but also support resources. So those are nonprofits or government funded agencies that help ag workers specifically. So it's really a, a 
a platform online that that's really um, kind of taking that holistic approach to this to this problem. Now, that's a really interesting way to do it, bringing in not just employers and employees, but also those third parties, those service groups that can help people make adjustments. Because I assume, Sadok, that a lot of the labor you're working to help farmers or employers connect with is more of a migrant, more of a transitory variety. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, that's correct. That's really where the concept was focused on, but we've seen that um, the agencies that there are literally thousands across the nation um, help all sorts of, of workers. So whether that's migrant seasonal workers, um, ag workers, things like training and, and development, education services um, that partner with funds like the National Farmworker Jobs Program. So there's a whole lot of resources out there that are um, targeting or helping this workforce that is the, low, that the middle skilled down to uh, lower income ag workers. Wow. So now being an online platform, tell us a little bit about how Ag Help works. Let's say I'm an employer. I know that I'm going to need help come harvest time. What's my process for signing up with Ag Help? So the idea is to really be that platform. So typically um, we expect employers to recruit a few months ahead of, of harvest. And so we're not limiting this to migrant seasonal work worker recruitment, but also more permanent recruitment as well. But basically what happens is the employer um, creates a profile. Um, they can then post jobs. And right, we're finalizing some of the um, the details around the subscription model, but it'll be priced to include kind of the, the smaller farms that only hire uh, just a few people all the way to the more enterprise farms that um, hire into the hundreds or maybe even thousands. So they would post a job, and workers across the nation could see those job postings and apply through the app. And so the idea really is to have those workers applying to the jobs and giving the employers the opportunity to reach out to those workers through some of the features on our platform. Interesting. So then I assume your approach over the next couple of years, you've got a, kind of a two-pronged approach. You've got to reach employers, but then you've also got to make sure you're reaching out to farm workers so they're signed up and there's value in the website or there's value in the platform. Can you tell us a little bit about how you intend to reach out to workers both in the U.S. or perhaps even outside of it? Yeah, so the main way we plan to reach the local workforce here in the U.S. is partnering with those larger agencies that are, are national agencies. Um, so those might be, for instance, National Center for Farm Worker Health. So they provide um, health care to migrant seasonal farm workers. They're the largest organization to do that. They're, um, con- they're a connection to the community health care clinics. Um, also, other programs like Migrant Education, AFOP, which is the organizations that run the national that are funded through the National Farm Worker Jobs Program. So really we're focused on partnering with those agencies who have the reach already with this workforce. So um, that'll really help us get into the hands of the the, um, the workers because they have a trusted relationship with these agencies and they can rest assured that we're taking into account that all of their needs, not just employment needs. Wow. So, tell us a little bit about how Ag Help came to be. What was the the mindset that said, "Hey, we've got the internet. We know we've got a crisis here. 
How do we solve it? When? How did you get started with Ag Help? So the concept of Ag Help came from really our life experience. So the founding team, which is myself, and my brothers Feliciano and Ivan, uh, we grew up as migrant farm workers. So we actually traveled from Texas to Florida to Michigan, and we'd harvest fruits and vegetables. And our main way of getting work was through word of mouth. Um, and you can imagine, sometimes we would show up to a farm and find that there was no longer a job or perhaps there, the housing was no longer available. So all of that uncertainty around finding jobs was a huge obstacle. And then when you add in the fact that we're traveling, things like registering for school become a, a difficult task or even finding emergency health care services was, was a problem for us. So really, it came down to um, we continue to see those problems today, um, and it, it's so easy to find, you know, the best restaurant, the best burger, the best drinks anywhere you are, and we figured to, to apply that to really the agriculture um, industry as far as work, the workforce was concerned. That's a really cool idea, the bringing the concept of what we've seen in all these other consumer goods to employment. And you touched on something I want to ask you about there, Sadok. When we're looking online for things like the best restaurant or the best cocktail or whatever, there's oftentimes a ranking. Is there going to be a place on Ag Help for workers to talk about experiences with, with perhaps a, either a positive or a negative interaction with one particular employer or another? So, um, the plan is not to include that. So at this time, I think there's a lot to learn um, with those type of features. Uh, the first thing we would include in a platform, I think, would be a, an endorsement type of feature. So similar to a LinkedIn, um, mm -hmm. endorsing for different mm -hmm. things like housing or um, wages or crops. Really, that's what the first thing we would look at. But at this time, I think if we were focused really on making the connections and meeting the needs and then including some of those features that might not be as necessary um, down the road. Gotcha. Now, that makes a lot of sense. you gotta, you got to walk before you can run, for sure. Now, Sadok, yeah. when you're out talking to employers, what are the main features they want to, to have on a platform like this? So it, it, that's, a, that's been a tough question for us to ask, but we've boiled it down to just, the, just kind of the minimum that, that would accommodate the largest range or sectors of agriculture. So really, it's it's about finding those those workers. So being able to post to a relevant on a relevant platform that's really targeting or um, focused on the type of workers they're looking for. So if they're posting in Craigslist, Facebook, those are all platforms more uh, associated with things outside of ag, even more social platforms. Whereas this is really focused on meeting the needs of their employment. Also things like incorporating different languages or so being multilingual and obviously the the platform itself being accessible from multiple devices. So we've included all of these things in our platform and um, we're continuing to learn from our customers and employers in general to really figure out what needs we can incorporate um, we've also incorporated a feature, a chat feature, um, which is significant because it will allow employers to um, really an HR type of um, aspect 
to the recruitment. So whether that's informing workers of changing crop conditions or if things as simple as, um, you know, changing start times because of weather or that, that sort of thing, it becomes more and more of a problem as you have more employees. So we, we're trying to, to continuously learn about the problems that our, our customers and employers are facing. Wow. Now, Sadok, you've been developing this platform for a few years. Give us an update. Where do you sit? When do you expect it to go live? And, and how have things been up to this point for you? Yeah, so this has been a project we've, we've worked on for a little while. So we launched our beta version um, last summer. And since then, we've taken it, taken it down. And right now, we're in development of our more uh, finalized version. And we expect to launch in October. So our target is mid-October, um, but we'll see how that goes. Um, so really, we're right in the middle of development and finalizing some of the, the wireframes and even starting some of the some of the development itself. But yeah, this is it's been a project, and and we're really kind of it's com- coming to a culminating in, into the, our launch here in October. So, Sadok, before we let you go, if we've got listeners who would either fall under the employee or the employer category, where should they go to get more information or to make sure they're there to sign up when you guys go live? So, um, yeah, that's a good question. They can actually go to aghelpusa.com, and there we're actually taking pre-signups. You can get more information on the platform and uh, even some news coverage and that sort of thing. But um, Ag Help USA will give them um an opportunity to view more about us and and sign up. Fantastic. Sadok Paredes, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Appreciate it. Well, Delaney, there we go. Another tool in growers' toolboxes to help find and retain labor. It's uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it is, Mike. It sounds like definitely something to look into if you're in need of labor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Getting ready and rolling out this October, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So, folks, stay on the grind and keep your uh, keep your eyes open. We'll have all these tools. It's fascinating to me how fast the industry changes. And, Delaney, if people want to keep up with some of these changes by listening to our Tech Tuesday episodes of the past, where should they go? They can find any of our previous episodes on any Apple or a podcast platform. They can also find us directly online. If you head to agnewsdaily.com, we've got all our previous podcasts there. I think they go all the way back to March of 2017 when we started the podcast. But if you're yeah. looking, if you're looking for other content or want to interact with Mike and I, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Ag News Daily. With that, Mike, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.